full. So I think this week I kind of want to start out by talking a wee bit about Brian Rice and uh, his admissions toward, or he, he reported himself to the SFA uh, with regards to his gambling addiction. Um, made a pretty public statement um, that's out there. Um, you know, obviously read it. One of them is one of the most sort of out there parts. Of it was that he actually came out and was like, "I am an addict." Mm. And there's part of it that's kind of refreshing in a sense that you know somebody with a kind of profile, particularly in Scotland, of a, a Premier League football manager is out there. At the same time, guys obviously been struggling, um, and you know if. For whatever reason, Brian or any of his family hear this, you know, we're totally behind your decision to come out and actually Absolutely. try and deal with it. Um, and all power to you. Best of luck. Um, the, the sort of lingering thing for me is that this is this is not a new thing in football. Um, you know, we, I think we both after Mike went straight to uh, the example of Paul Merson. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking 30, 35 years ago. This came to the fore in football and I don't think we've done enough to like curtail it. These are young men who coming up through the academy system in football have only ever lived football lives. Mm-hmm. And when they find themselves earning tens of thousands of pounds a week, you know, there's only a limited amount of things young guys can spend their money on. You buy a car, you buy a house, you buy some cobber and, you know, what else is there really left for you today? I'm struggling not to think about Wayne Rooney spending on grannies. But... <laughs> well, true. But, uh, like, but not get you. It's literally like you're getting sometimes 17, 18, 19 year olds, especially in like this day and age, where you've got guys that are coming through the academy system at like Man City and Chelsea and are already earning 20, 30 grand a week. And for all you hear the ex-professionals talk about how the dangers of that are, that they'll never really have the motivation to push on and become first team players and they're, they're, they're afraid about the, the future of professional football. I think they, they, they all really miss out the addictions that I mean, you were even seeing guys like Lee Griffiths at, at mm-hmm. Celtic, but um, it's it, it's a it's a troubling thing. I think Joey Barton, yep. when he was at Rangers, get reprimanded for it, but he's got a history, of it, and I think there's probably Mel there's been a few examples in recent years. Ian Black was another one at Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, know that we're highlighting Rangers for no, him. No, they're just the most high-profile like, ones. Right, absolutely, um, and we know where these these things lead. I mean, obviously, we had a, a conversation all the way back, like episode 30-something with James for Drunk Therapy about his own struggles. Yep. And I think what came out of that, and at the time, and it was nice to see that James was kind of like at the centre of that. He'd, he'd been on our podcast, he'd been on Blethered, and then he'd been on a couple others. I think he'd been on Affit as well, mm-hmm. talking about it, is, is that the conversations really started, and you get to see a, there's a lot of people, especially on Twitter, that are out there talking about like the, gam- like the machines and all this sort yep. of stuff. But when you're in the sports world... You kind of get away from it. It's impossible, especially football, because I mean, we were talking half mic about the three main sponsors of football in Scotland are William Hill with the Scottish Cup, Ladbrokes with the Premier League, and we've got thirty-two red and Daffabet with yeah, Celtic and Rangers. Betfred with the with the League Cup, and yep. then thirty-two red and Daffabet. And so, I mean, if you're an addict in that environment, it's inescapable. I mean, you're probably training three times a day. With, you know, two times a day we own your jersey, four days a week. You know what I mean? Like it's it's something I think we need to have a serious look at. Um, I know Do you we think talk. We should go down the, the route <clears throat> of like cigarettes and alcohol. Well, well, they didn't France, well, didn't they? Alcohol's different 
here because we had Magnus on our strip for how many years, but and tenants as well. But you're not surely you can't have Marlborough in the front. I mean, you're not allowed to advertise yeah. cigarettes in sports. Um, I think in France, I know definitely in France they ban the uh, mm-hmm. advertising alcohol at football, well, uh, particularly in the jerseys. I think the day on mainland Europe, the day with the betting companies, because we go away and it's the got Celtic, Celtic Foundation, Foundation yeah. and Rangers have got their, their, their respective charity on, the, on their jersey. So yep. I think that they've definitely like enforced that in Europe. So And I think if it's something that's best practice elsewhere, we need to start looking at it as particularly the sponsors. I mean, I watch a football match on a, any given Saturday or Sunday and, you know, before a game kicks off, there's three advert breaks, each of them bookended by a bookies advert with introductory offers and whatnot and, you know, special prices and boosts and all these kind of things. And it's really there to, like, incentivise you. Mm. Um, and if you're sat there on your end on a Saturday afternoon with the telly on and your phone in your horn, like, I've done it. I had this period of time, no, where I was in any way a problem gambler, but I'd just get into the habit of firing a fiver on my account and mm. on a Saturday and, you know, then it's Champions League on a Tuesday and Wednesday. And then you realise I was spending, like, 40 quid a week and being, like, pure right... That's not a huge amount of money, but it was more than I was willing to spend on football, mm-hmm. especially considering, you know, at least 35 quid, I'd probably as well burning a lot of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I think as, a, as an industry, the, the football really needs to take some leads for... Well, I mean, at the minute, the government, and I know there was legislation changes announced where people are not allowed to rack up gambling mm-hmm. debt off the back of credit cards, which... For an industry that talks a lot about responsible gambling, as I was talking to online with one of the guys for the Trample Bet podcast, um, if you're a responsible, you know, advocate of gambling, why would you ever let anybody run up any form of debt mm-hmm. to put a bet on? Absolutely, um, it's a bit, it's a bit counterintuitive to me. So I think in Britain, particularly, there needs to be a sort of root and branch change because, you know, when people have high profile of, you know, adequate means find themselves subject to this, you know, what is the effect in wider society? And are we doing enough by essentially force-feeding people gambling adverts and offers on a, a sort of, you know, almost 24-7 basis? Absolutely. I mean, they, they give you the live odds at half-time. Yeah. But it's, it's, you could, aye, it's almost, it's kind of disgusting, really, isn't it? Like, you get pay for view as well, like where you know there's gambling apps that will allow you to watch any game in the world so long as you put a bet on, and you're like, that's a dangerous, dangerous path for me as well. So it is like, so I mean, I think given the number of high profile examples we have in Scotland in recent years, uh, or high profile in Scottish terms at least, um, it's sort of long past time where the actual football and community and industry in Scotland needs to take a long, hard look at itself. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a tough environment when you live next door to England and they're having well, millions and millions showered on them and the Scottish market doesn't see the same money. Yeah. So sometimes it's any port in the storm. I do get that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there needs to be, I think there needs to be a better balance. Aye, absolutely. Because There's a reason why they're the main sponsors though, aren't there? Because, like... They- potentially the alcohol and the betting industry are the very few industries that are left that can actually afford to give a club like Celtic <coughs> five million quid a yep. year a club like or the Ladbrokes Premier I mean God knows how much they pay to sponsor that league it will be in probably oh, the t- tens of millions over the course of like five aye, years over the course or of like five, four or five years aye. so they're probably one of the very few industries that are left and I think that 
it's probably fair to say that there's better things that you could be spending your fucking money on, man. Like, especially in 2020 when you can't even look at a fucking Tesco supermarket without 50 quid flying out your wallet or oh out my your God. bank account. You Absolutely know what I mean? crazy. It's, the cost of living's skyrocketing and the majority of people that I know that Foley Football, myself included, have all got an online betting account yep. and we'll all put a coupon on. At least you know one. I mean? It makes it interesting. I've got logins for it. two or three because over the years I've accepted introductory offers or uh-huh. opened an app for a bonus or any of these types of things. So, I mean, the even for that, the casual better, you know, it's not just necessarily about one account. Absolutely. You know one I mean? of the things that stu- stood out for me whenever I've spoke to people that, or especially when we were speaking to James, is talking about, like, you're chasing. So when you, that you'll know, like... So if you put a, if you put £5 in your betting account and Champions League Football Zone or Scottish Cup or whatever, a game of football, you whatever you want to do, corners, throw-ins, whatever, and you're like, I'm going to play with a fiver. Like, I, I've seen you and, and mates of yours where they'll literally play with a fiver or they'll play with a tenner. They'll come in and they'll go, <coughs> you know what? It's, there's an early kick-off. There's some three o'clocks, then there's a 5.30. I'm going to just... I two or three quid here, two That's, or three quid there over the course of the day. Absolutely, like, and there's nothing wrong. And that day, still do that once in a blue moon. Uh-huh. You know, and you're mean? keeping the game interesting, yep. and you're kicking about with your mates. And we got a lot of <laughs> we got a lot of banter with Dave, where it's just like you're <laughs> he's waiting on his bets coming in, and they just one by one, they're just getting. I've never seen anybody shattered. take it harder than Dave, to be fair. But I've even a, a, as a low level user of like betting websites, and I've found myself putting a bet on. On thinking, I've got what I've got three fifty left, or I've got a fiver. Might just dump that on some sort of like fucking Chinese Super League game. Aye, but I've got no idea who they are, and I'm just thinking, L one point five goals. It'll, it'll be two goals in this game, whatever. And I think the scary thing for me when talking to him and he's talking about like the actual things that lead to the addiction, is is that I've experienced them even in like a really low level. It's not, I like a microcosm. Uh-huh. It's not like the type of thing where you you can do it and no experience that. I think everybody that I know has tried to chase a bet and tried to win money back. And Aye, because very often when you're betting on a sport, especially if you're a casual observer, like somebody like me, early weekend, like the UFC, thankfully I did not stay up to five o'clock in the morning to watch a 40 second fight. I set an alarm. Did you? You were not the only one I knew. I did. I got to about two o'clock, felt my eyes getting heavy and then wondered and then I went, do you know what? No. Well, I went to my bed at, what did I do? Ah, I went into my bed at three in the morning on Saturday morning and I got up at seven and went to the gym. So I was like deliberately had four hours sleep and I had kickboxing. I had a busy day on Saturday. So I knew for a fact that I was going to be coming home here at like seven o'clock and be absolutely fucking shattered. Aye. And then I, I went, I got to sleep about 10 and I got up at four. So I, and I was working on Sunday, but I was actually didn't feel anything. And Aye. to be fair, I was actually I, I was quite happy with just wa- watching the full thing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I'm I'm no. I did try prelims and that, but that's when I, the eyes started I, getting heavy. Like, there's probably been a couple of casual people that have got up or stayed up just to watch Conor McGregor mm-hmm. the Cowboy Cerrone fight and have been disappointed. Whereas I thought it was a good night in MMA, so I was. You're um, a much uh, you're a much bigger fan in general than me. My point there is that like for a casual observer of a sport, somebody like me with UFC, for example, like you're not really as invested in the actual sport or the result of whatever sport you're watching, the minute you put that tenor on, it's about the chase. Mm. You know what I mean? And we've all had the thrill of a bet coming in, and we do get that it is, yes, I've won a bet. You know what I mean? But aye, it's definitely something to worry in terms of that that chasing it is definitely something that I've felt. I think everybody's felt it. Anybody who's ever won a bet 
has felt the need to go, oh, you know what, I'm going to put another bet on. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. um, but I definitely becomes dangerous when the opposite is true and you lose a bet and think to yourself, do you know what, the answer is to put another bet Absolutely, on. Absolutely, man. You know I, mean, what I mean, I think for me as well, like one of the big reasons why I don't bet anymore, or, I mean, I didn't actually make like a conscious decision, but I, I pretty much locked myself out of all my accounts through... No, f- no remembering passwords and try to fucking log in so many times that they'll like get to fuck. Um, Talking to James was what changed it for me a lot because I was mm-hmm. a lot, I was, although I was never a, in any way, shape or form a problem gambler, I was more conscious after having spoke to him because so many of the behaviours that he explained were sort of relevant to me and we had a history of addiction elsewhere. I was a bit like, hmm, maybe this is something I just uh-huh. nip in the bud now because it's got the potential well, down good, the line, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but I think that's maybe why it's important why guys like Brian Rice, guys like James come out and actually share. Fucking right. Because it is something that I don't think gets enough attention and I think it is an easy slope to find yourself sliding mm-hmm. down. Do you think that the guy, I mean, I've I've seen some posts about it and obviously I've seen a lot of the positivity that's been surrounding it and I hope, and well, we'll know that that probably means a lot to the guy personally that he's getting a lot of sort of positive support. But has he suspended himself? I'm not sure. I think he's just opened himself to disciplinary proceedings. Okay, and then right. the proceedings will be whatever the proceedings are. Really, we should be holding this guy up, man. And I mean, I know that. Okay, right. You could you could be. It could be an argument to say there needs to be some sort of consequence because the guy's probably broke the rules of the yeah, game. Yeah, definitely. But maybe part of that consequence should be right. We're going to. You need to go to like uh, education. I or help either speak to other people about what you're going through or here's where you're going to go and it's like yep. maybe like Gamblers Anonymous or whatever it is mm-hmm. and just say as part of like this is your punishment is that you need to actively seek recovery yeah, definitely. rather than what will probably happen is like he's not allowed to be in the touchline and maybe get a financial penalty or whatever Yeah, they should make it an actual like experience for the guy to like help him overcome it I think that would be some real positive PR for the SFA if they just come out and says this is what we need to do. We Which need- is almost certainly why they won't do it, because they're clearly averse to positive, mm-hmm. you know, PR. Um, I think when we talk through the course of this about the standard of living, it gives us a, a fairly clunky segue to, you know, the next one, because we have a, a few people in the UK over the coming weeks and months who are going to have to start worrying about how much it costs to actually live in the real world. And it's um, the Harry and Meghan. Oh, Obviously, right, it's yeah. been the one that has been everywhere and everybody and I they want to be financially independent and all these other things and um I it's been a bit of a shitstorm. So it has like in fucking half man. It's been almost like a fucking storm in a teacup <laughs> for me because like there's and I'm sure that uh, we're we'll definitely going to be touching on it, but there's a far bigger story within the same fucking family that's been brewing for fucking twenty years mm-hmm. and the fact that one of them it has definitely been connected to a paedophile and <clears throat> that and the British are we mainstream talking about media, Prince Charles and Jimmy Savile? No, Philip and Rolf Harris. Oh no, no. it's no, it's, uh, it's uh, Andrew and uh, right, okay, Jeffrey Epstein. Right, um, there's so many links that we don't fucking. I who knows what <laughs> want to touch on, but we'll just pick a name at a hat next time. The 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 coverage of this. I mean, the BBC basically gave me an opportunity to try and fix it. Aye. I mean, the, the, and let him say some ridiculous fucking bullshit, like that he doesn't sweat. That like, all oh, right, we want Andrew the new. Do you know what I mean? Like, so he was, he was, 
he was platformed. That guy was literally like, here, go and fix this. Aye. Probably under the advice of the top PR com- companies in the country. Definitely. So all, all that. You know what a face palms behind camera that uh, night, though. Really? What? What has happened? The guys gave up his position and he's he's asked, basically just went, I want to disappear and I've went fine. How can that be all right? Like, I, I don't understand how in one hand... So we're talking about Andrew still, right? <laughs> Megan and Harry are getting so much... Now, I understand that this is a big deal. I'm not, I'm not downplaying... I'm not downplaying the situation or what, the, like what the it represents. the constitution of the British monarchy is a big deal. Absolutely. And what it represents for potentially people that want to see the end of the monarchy like I understand that this is a big like deal but including a couple of saying members by the looks of it <laughs> for, the, for the for the British press and for the media side of it surely Andrew's a bigger scandal than Meghan and Harry and the amount of like airtime column inches that they're getting is outrageous I mean yeah. Pierce Morgan has literally started some kind of like crusade vendetta against <laughs> him well, I had to mute him the other day on my personal blood. account because I was just fed up listening to his shite, to be honest with you. Like, he seems to have the bee in the bonnet about the notions of potential racism, um, which... So, we can, I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind actually talking about that because mm. I, I get that, I mean, if you look at, what was the guy's name, Fox, Lawrence Fox, okay. yep. on Question Time, and there's uh, the woman that's there and she's saying like, well, it's, this is racism. Clearly it's racism. And he's like, how can you say it's racism? Mm -hmm. You're like, right, well, let's just boil it down to just purely the most dumb way that we can do it and go, you have got one princess that is white British and gets nothing but positivity thrown at her. Yeah. And rightfully fucking so. They all do all the charity and they they all put the rules and we get it, right? Okay. When she's touching her baby bump, it's pure. Oh, she's glowing. Yeah. And, but when Meghan Markle, it's like she's. I think there was a, a bit they were saying she's touching her, her baby bump too much. It's like she's emphasizing it. She's she's wanting. And Aye. Like, well, that right there shows you the institutionalized racism towards a woman because mm. the and only because the only the difference, only in, difference play. in play here is where she's fair and the color of her skin. There's no difference. Yeah. There's absolutely zero fucking difference. And for you to say, well, that isn't racism. Well, right, okay. Let's just say that the person that wrote these articles actually only being racist and yeah. is right. But how does that look? To people that are black, <clears throat> how does that look for for people that are outside looking in? Yeah, and for people like me who is actively not racist mm. and trying would actually try and potentially change my behaviour in the way that I speak to accommodate somebody to make them feel more comfortable. Yeah, for me, I I can only really deduce that being done to one thing and it being like institutionalised racism, on maybe on un- like an unconscious bias. bias in certain places. I definitely think so. I think when, you know, the conversation boils over about white privilege where, you know, Philip Schofield at the helm, um, it's probably time that we have a bit of yeah, a sort of wider national debate on it. You know what I, I mean? Like, absolutely. Um, I think it's, for me, you know, like some members of the current royal family are probably question why we still need it or why there still is a, is a thing like I get that it sounds to me as though what Harry and Meghan are suggesting is almost a kind of European style of monarchy where they are public figures 
but with a much lower profile. And I think, you know, given that we live in Brexit Britain, like British monarchs trying to be more European couldn't have happened at like a <laughs> fucking worst, worst time. time. <laughs> you know I mean, like, actually, the, the appropriate time for where we are, like yeah. that just tells me how sort of backwards and archaic Brexit actually is. Mm. That we, we've got, uh, you know what I mean? Like a guy that carries about like plastic dolls and dresses himself <laughs> in Union Jack tea towels and is somehow making his way onto fucking evening news and gaining his opinion on Aye. Harry leaving the that monarchy. That petted lip was a thing of absolute beauty. I mean, and this is the thing, this like, is a culture that this is why I question the need for monarchy at all. Like, um, I think it's a really antiquated notion. I can get that for the sake of pomp and ceremony, that, you know, a nation with a sort of monarchy in its history might want to keep some of the, you know, like for the opening of Parliament, for example, you know, whoever's the house, the head of the House of Windsor comes and opens up Parliament and gives a speech, fucks off, we don't see them for another year again. Like, mm-hmm. kind of, as I say, like Netherlands, I've got a kind of similar thing where, yeah. you know, some of the Scandinavian ones where they've got kings that are like accountants in their, their real <laughs> life and stuff like Lawyers, that. They, all, they rock up I for like, the opening of Parliament and they go back to their day job I for the other 364 the days of the year. Was, was he no, like, his son no lawyer? I'm he not entirely sure, but it's it's, it's common across the continent and like when you hear what the reality of Harry and Meghan what it is it kind of in line with the go we want to have an element of life where we're private citizens ideally away from the UK closer to where Meghan has her family and her upbringing etc and but we will still completely honour you know the majority of our engagements yeah. as part of this family and people seem and in those terms it doesn't seem hugely unreasonable and the the reaction for folk and this is why you know the monarchy still exists because people still do passionately fucking believe in it and like i don't get why personally that in a 21st century world where we believe in equality and you know social justice and all these other things that it's still cool to think that somebody's bloodline is just superior because god says so like the notion to me is frankly ridiculous absolutely like and we were talking off mic and I was saying we were having a conversation with some mutual friends and they were trying to sort of like make rational sense of like some of the, the behaviour that yeah. you see and um, watching the family on Netflix and they were they were talking about the evangelicals and how that's so batshit crazy to think that God, the reason that capitalism has won, the yep. reason that this is, this is what they're Because God ordains it. Exactly. The reason that the billionaires exist is because God puts them where it needs to be. Aye. And I was saying that... Get to heaven and God sat there in a pure power suit. The monarchists <laughs> sit and the people that go and wave... And billionaires are the new monarchy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? No, like, but the, the, the pe- people in England and in Scotland that are like for the Queen and like defend the monarchy and mm-hmm. think that they deserve the money that, that they take out of the... Even though they're incredibly fucking wealthy I mean yeah. beyond the fucking pale they don't oh. even know how much money that, that, that <laughs> they're worth that, that's yes. how much how much power and influence and wealth that they've got that that they they believe that they're beneath them I mean if they believe that they are superior aye so aye. That, that that's what you're fighting against you're fighting against sort of like somebody that accepts their own inferiority like that's a, that's an odd eye. Exactly. You know, somebody who actually accepts their own inferiority as mm. a person is a hard person to argue against. Aye. You know what I mean? Like, but I say fair play to them because see when I hear some of these, you know, the boy Harry's examples, like, 
you know, he obviously has referenced his own mother's sort of treatment and death quite heavily, um, whilst remaining true to a lot of the causes that she herself kind of stood by in her in her life. Mm-hmm. And like, I can respect that. Like, see if they might have gone have the quiet life, they want to live after their money, and they still want to make some sort of positive contribution to their charities and their associations. Like, who gives a fuck? Let them. Uh, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, <clears throat> absolutely. All power to them. Go and mm-hmm. get tore in. Enjoy your life. I actually, you know thought- what I mean? Like, See, back when uh, they first started seeing each other, I listened to something. It might have even been fucking uh, Infowars kind of related. Okay. I don't know. What, what, maybe a so podcast. something crazy. But something fucking mental. Right. You know what I'm like? I pure love like the pure mental conspiracy <laughs> theories. And what I love about them is, is that there has been a lot of things that have been painted in the past as mental conspiracy theories that have turned out to be partially true. So, what this actual conspiracy theory was saying that was that um, he he was marrying an American so that they could have a kid that could become an American citizen and become the president of America, and so that it was like a sort of chess game and a chess move to try and get like a descendant of the House of Windsor as the president of America. Wow. I don't even know. I like don't, a sort of Damien Fawn Omen type. I was going to say, like, thing. I don't even know where to start with that. Like, it's a bit of a belter, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like, Aye, I don't think it's true. I but would put more money on, like, Trump think- maybe, like, sexually harassing some of the, like, lower grade Windsors and getting, like, a Trump in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Marianne. <laughs> yeah. Marianne to the Windsors. I know. I don't know if that happens a lot. But would it, would, I mean, the guy was referencing stuff like, um, if you knew what I knew and stuff like that and you're kind of like tell us it's always a good stance to take if you write, know what I knew write the fucking book Aye. like hurry up about it like I put that uh, if you knew what I knew uh, alongside uh, so what you mean is you know, like so so what you mean is no, no what, I, what I meant is what I said um, and there was a fair bit of that well in recent days, shall we say, uh-huh. um, after the um, visit for Out for Indy, um, <clears throat> my social media particularly got a wee bit spicy. Aye, I didn't um, say anything about it. Aye, it's one of the ones where I just kind of answered the first couple of questions as in close to good faith as I could, um, and then I kind of shit storm ensued. And like, mm. do you know what? We knew going into this that this was a really heated subject for a lot of people and we get that, you know, people's passions are up and stuff like that. Like, there was some fairly sort of personal attacks on me at various points. I don't really hold any grudges on it, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know people are sort of dug in in their trenches and for us it's probably going to be a passing subject Aye, along with other ones. You know, maybe when we go back to down the line... Mm-hmm. But at the minute, you know, our format is it's really difficult different to, every week, you know what I mean? Try to deal with people when we found us with when we did Jeanette Finley. Try to deal with people that are like I mean, Duggan's a, a good way of saying it, but yeah. are emotionally, physically, sometimes even financially invested yep. in something that they they see even just having a sit down and a reasonable chat about a subject is like an attack or what I, yeah. I don't even know, man. Like I mean, if anybody wants to question that we're... I mean, unfortunately, we can't hear about, about the fact that we're two middle-aged white guys. Do you know what I mean? We're just trying to explore these subjects. Aye. But anybody that wants to try and make accusations of like misogyny or like being anti-female or anti-women... Like, yeah. I mean, we've got 
a track record of giving a platform to various different organisations that are fully female and fully women, like Ask the 700. Um, We had like seven female strippers and basically gave them an hour to just put their case to as to why they should I found that quite interesting that was one of the ones that we got was like you're not interested in hearing from a woman and I was like you know can I go back and look through her track record and then the response was oh well thanks for your permission to speak as a woman and you're like so you kind of really win Um, and when that became apparent I just kind of like disengaged with it Mm kind of you know had my Friday night watched Terminator some cartoons I've been on a bit of an anime kick and then I got up the Saturday morning and my phone had been in meltdown all night Um, but it's just this wee echo chamber you know six or seven people who just spent the night calling me a bastard and then agreeing with each other so also (laughs) not only that getting absolute confirmation for a semi, well, you say semi-famous, but the guy's yeah. like a fa- surely amongst like. I had a bit of an odd moment where I was on the Rebel City feed on Twitter, and I spotted a post for the guys at Glasgow Sam Pauli, um, where they were making a joke about you know Sam Pauli's inclusion in a terrorist watch list uh, for the left, and they'd made a joke of the you know. Father Ted not racist, you know, Father Ted not slides for the, you know, the episode, but it's, you know, the Chinese, a great bunch of guys. So I was linking a tweet that was a play on a Father Ted joke, whilst on my actual personal feed, the guy who wrote Father Ted was going through um, every tweet that was, you know, posted to me by Moon Howlers and just sort of liking them all and kind of, you know, validating the fact that even though they were completely illogical and, uh, you know, completely separated for the conversation that was happening, that he approved of what they had to say. And, and, you know, that's his choice. I know, obviously, he's made a bit of a name for himself in recent years. I think he did the the IT crowd, which I, I didn't really connect with, but I love Father Ted. Uh-huh. So, again, no <laughs> nay, nay, nay grudge. You know, I think, you know, backing some gender zealots versus Father Ted, he's still in the, you know, the positive column for me right now. Um, so I let him go and do what he's doing. But I was interested to be getting a wee bit of stick for the guy that wrote Father Ted while I was simultaneously liking one of his jokes elsewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> odd coincidence. But again, it's one of them. We knew we weren't going to please everybody. Um, having listened to it back, I'm pretty pleased with the conversation. Um, as I say, it's not a subject that... We're going to go back into it next week because that's not what we do. But, you know, it might be something we revisit down the line once mm. potentially the results of the consultation Absolutely. are known and stuff like that. And A reasonable opposition that wanted to come in and sort of actually talk about what you said and know right. what they meant, what also what you meant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, there was a lot of that. So what you meant was, no, 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 no. What I said was, you uh-huh. know what I mean? So you can't really argue against that. Um, so, you know, top tip for the day was don't even try. but i i mean there seems the timing seems to be quite ridiculous but i mean like what at the weekend there there was a a bisexual lesbian female yeah thrown out a polo in glasgow because she was wearing a a t-shirt for the lgb alliance Mm -hmm. i've seen that um it's getting pretty divisive isn't it absolutely it's it's that felt a wee bit to me like, you know, somebody was maybe looking to manufacture a grievance, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's one of the ones where we can only really dip into the debate because, again, it's not our experience. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would say that I don't think if you listen to the content of what we talked about, there's anything massively controversial. And no. the same as when we spoke to Jeanette, like, we've got a lot of 
feedback, shall we say, for folk who didn't actually listen to the show. Um, so maybe that's just part and parcel of what we do now. Absolutely. But I think like getting a, getting accused of being like a sort of, I don't know, Catholic, or you're like, I was raised Catholic, but I'm firmly atheist. Mm-hmm. So I've no even get like a, and like, and also in the, the sort of out for Indy, like I don't have a dog in the race. Like horrible. I just want to way talk about a, a, a an issue don't. that's out there. But what I do is I, I hate the sort of social justice warrior term. Definitely mm. not a fucking social justice warrior. But aiming for as much sort of what I see as justice yeah. happening if people want their rights and or we should all have the same sort of rights. It doesn't matter. I, I don't understand why people being positive towards how everybody identifies or like you've got your right to your identity yeah. and how you want to identify and being able to identify yourself for who you want to be, how that encroaches in anybody else's rights. It, I don't understand I, that. I'm yet to see it myself. I mean, I know there are still questions about, and what we're talking about is a really small percentage of an already minority community mm-hmm. and some of the real wedge issues that come up time and again that we didn't maybe get a lot of chance to touch on in the Euro is things like sort of women's place in sport and yeah there's stuff that absolutely needs to be worked out but then we're talking about an infinitesimally small proportion of an already small group of an already minority group uh-huh. that, so I mean there needs to be like an actual I think levelling up a the debate in sense that yep there's a lot happening that does need to be addressed but I don't know that it necessarily needs quite the attention that it's got and I think if the mainstream was maybe a wee bit less ready to come and at people with these niche stories that maybe the debate could cool down a wee bit and maybe something could actually get done because I don't think any of the women who got in touch with me over the coming or the, the sort of previous days um, are no genuine in their belief that you know the, their rights are at risk like, I don't understand Absolutely. the point of view but I think it's a genuine thing for them and there are examples in which there are still questions to be answered but you don't he's not going to change anybody's mind by piling on people on Twitter by you know motivating your wee so and circle online to come and give somebody a couple of days worth of abuse or nitpick and try and like, twist the words of people uh-huh. It, it, it's, it's a bad it's a bad faith debate that you're having and you can't you can't expect to win a bad faith like debate you know what i mean very combative against something that was neither aggressive or confrontational in any sense it was it was like a sort of weird juxtapose or like just like a a, a weird way of coming at it mm-hmm. it's almost like somebody standing in the street going just chatting away and somebody coming up and just screaming back at them. <laughs> it kind of felt a wee bit like that, to be honest with you. And I, it's one of the ones where online, maybe I wasn't as sensitive to some of the language that I used as we were in the podcast. Um, if that was the case, then, you know, I'll take that criticism on the chin. But what I'm not going to abide by is people coming at us who have no engaged with what we do and are trying to like, you know, antagonizers on some vague principle, as seemed to be the case uh, over the weekend. But at the same time, like everything else with the show, <clears throat> we put it out there, we have a wee chat about it, we draw a line, we move on, and then on to the next one. Absolutely. You know what I mean? What else has been going on then? I was listening to a thing the other day, um, just about like, 
can't even. I'm fucking terrible, man. I listen to so many podcasts <laughs> and fucking audiobooks. You're going to need to start taking notes, man. I know. I'm sure I did that. But anyway, basically, what the, the guy was trying to sort of advocate is you need to like curate your social media. Okay. You like, well, his idea is, is that we need just like you would protect yourselves within your circle of friends mm-hmm. and there'll be certain types of people that you wouldn't go anywhere near in real life yeah you need to sort of curate that online as well mm. something that i've been thinking about fairly recently i mean i fully quite i think i fully over a thousand people on twitter okay so i mean it's almost like too much to keep up with i don't know why i follow mm. so many people i don't know a thousand people i mean fuck yeah so it's 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 getting me thinking. I mean, obviously, like things like Twitter and Instagram are handy for things like this, aye, and for the podcast, definitely. Just since I've been watching that, I've been actively like being aware about how much the, when I'm scrolling through my feed, how much am I getting? What percentage of that is positive? What percentage of that is negative? Aye. And then also, like, how am I perceiving? Like, feels this? like there's been a wee bit of a reaction. I don't know if it's maybe as we were talking the other week there about, you know, post-election, Christmas blues and all the rest of it, but I've definitely noticed more and more people, particularly uh, in, you know, the sort of wee circle that we follow around Glasgow and that are starting to say, I'm getting a wee bit sick of the negativity here, you know, in relation to football, in relation to politics, it seems to be like a sort of ongoing thing. And <clears throat> I maybe it is about folk, because I know that when I joined Twitter, it was just fully everybody that had Aye. a Celtic jersey as their profile Aye. or 67 in their name, and you were going to get some decent Celtic chat, you know what I mean? Like, um, as I say, I don't take it all as personally as, as a lot of other folk, like, you know, I, there's people that are going to have a go, like it's part I and parcel. I don't know if it's like, even just what, I like people having a go. I think he's he's gen like generally talking about just everything. Right. So like if you for instance, it's a good point like you're saying about like all the Celtic supporters now. If there was a support that I've ever seen shat the bed or absolutely like letting their bottle crash, mm-hmm. it's this current Celtic support for the most. But also there's a lot of sort of like positive Celtic supporters that'll try to be like it's, yeah. you're getting caught up in it so I think that he's not just talking about people having a go at you he's talking about general negativity ah, okay. so if Fair you have people that are just on just pure everything shite <laughs> for like fuck this you should kind of like stay away from it I know fair and enough I, I, I think there's something in that do you know what I mean I think there's there's something in I think if you're affected by other people's negativity on the internet then you should definitely curate it if we see if we see how it affects us or if it happens like unconsciously like unconsciously affects you like sort of so like for instance i was talking to like one of your friends and she was saying like about sort of racist attacks in america for instance she was talking about that and what she was saying is is the like situations where people are getting like shot by the police and blah 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 it's happening every day yeah and i was like oh, you're right you're, you're absolutely spot on it's happening every day mm-hmm. but it's not happening to the extent that you think it's happening okay like you think it's happening everywhere and you, there's no getting away from it yeah same as like sort of sexism or like sexual assaults is like you would think that you're walking in 
this is people's perception. Yeah. As is that you're walking into nightclubs and people are getting groped left, right and centre and that there's guys getting accused of rape her here and that she's lied about a rape her on the other side. Mm. It's like, this is, like, Twitter especially seems to be, like, the coming together of, like, everything and I don't know if we're quite ready for it. <laughs> Maybe that is part and of it. I think that this is what the guy's saying about curating like, your feed is that you need to realise that if you're if that's all that you're constantly taking in and one of the examples that I've really like chinned myself for the last couple of days with has been with Celtic right. has been my attitude towards it because I'm like pure right and, yeah, and and then I think I was I was talking to you and you were like blah 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 talking about like the diamond midfield that they played against Partick Fussell and I aye. thought to myself do you know what I'm going to go back and I'm just going to watch the highlights of the Partick Fussell game and you're like fucking hell man like totally dominated them should have been like three nothing up at half time yeah. barring a shocking penalty decision and a dodgy offside decision. You're like, right. It's like four but years on. I'm feeling that when I was thinking about it, what's impacting me is reading through people going, he's shite, he's shite, this is shite. Right, okay. We were fucking terrible the other night. And I know it's not true because I watched the fucking game. But it's had an influence on you. It's had an influence on Aye. my attitude. So then I'm starting to think that, fuck, maybe I date. And there's people on there that. I've been looking at the last couple of days that I actually enjoy some of what they say. Yeah. But when it comes to like some of the Celtic stuff, it's just been so bad. Like they've literally, I mean, there was a guy the other day saying that looking through the fixtures, I don't see where Rangers lose points and I can see where we're going to lose hundreds of points. So basically the league's done. Right. And you're like, right, what? Aye. Like 2008. Can you knock up some lottery numbers aye. while you're at it? You know, 2007, 2008 Celtic were what? Fucking... 13 points behind or something crazy Aye. with like fucking eight games to go and still won a league title. Yep. My the strong so year. That was amazing. The, year. the pe- uh, like the pendulum's gone to swing both ways, right? Mm. Aye. But we're, I, I, I genuinely, like after we were having that conversation, I was like, right, I'm going to turn myself here because it, it's ridiculous the way that I'm thinking. Aye. And I, even though I'm no like out there splashing it on my Twitter feed, I'm saying it to like you oh, and like private because I just, I, I don't really tweet that much about Celtic mm-hmm. but there's definitely been an influence at other people aye and I think it's coming for that I think so the, I like this guy's the idea the football thing is probably like a kind of bad example and it, it, well I mean everything to be fully in social media is vaguely tribal you know what I mean football, politics etc so there is a, a level of mob mentality in play already you know what I mean like, and if the mob is done then you're going to be done with the mob you know what I mean like, right. it's, so I think there's definitely part of that that's indicative of it but I I get it I, I'm, I'm aware that people have been commenting big time on, on sort of recent negativity and I it's just one things like I don't I don't register a lot of it, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, this uh, guy reckoned that <clears throat> what you needed, because of, like, obviously, like, stupid shit, like, evolutional fucking science, we are... We are, will always lean towards the negative side because yeah. it's what's kept us alive aye, for a caution, for aye. fucking million yep. years, whatever. Absolutely. Because we've been prey, so it, it stems for that. This guy was saying that the, the ideal goal is 41. You need to start to see four positive things being said before you can take like one negative thing okay before so it won't have a negative influence on you and he was saying that if you kind of get to that you should delete your social media and i was just like i need to delete my fucking social media <laughs> i need to delete my entire life <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but i you, i would literally be like well i need to delete everything you know i don't really use facebook that much and to be honest instagram's like 
a sort of indulgence Aye. where I just go on and just basically I'm a nosy bastard. Right. But I don't really get Instagram. Twitter's I like, like Twitter. my main, like my Aye. main social media. And I, it's almost like the town square and the town's a fucking nutter. <laughs> there is definitely a level of that happening, man. Like, and this is the problem is like, we've, we've, we've called it before, like, unfortunately just because, you know, the internet gives us all a platform for our opinions, it, it doesn't also equate that that makes all our opinions valid. Aye. You know so I mean? One of the other things that the guy was talking about was like, and I feel like I did this, is he, he was saying, look, you shouldn't just have unfiltered opinion on like Twitter and, or whatever. Right. You need to like, Day what you do in real life, this is becoming more real, more integrated into real life. I mean, the amount of times that I walk, I stay in Glasgow City Centre, mm-hmm. and like, I walk through the, I, just, I walk in the city centre, I walk through the city, the amount of times that I walk by people, I'm like, I follow them on Twitter. It's getting <laughs> almost a bi daily occurrence, right? If it was maybe exaggerating a wee bit, maybe twice a week, right? And sometimes it's it's repeated, repeated people, but we both met, I mean, we were on the drunk therapy circle, oh, and we met. Um, Hemi and Ross Ross and yeah we, we met a bunch of people that we interact with only online up Aye. until that point and it's quite a surreal um, experience it's awkward to like feel like you know somebody well enough to talk to them on a regular basis but then you meet them face to face and you're like this dude is a stranger like who is this like and then you have that awkward process where you almost have to kind of meet somebody again for the second time you mm-hmm. know what I mean like, but I quite enjoyed it you know what I mean like, I don't Absolutely. dislike it I see f- I'm the same go up to St Rocks see a few faces where you're like well that's so and so or whatever it is like uh-huh. you're the same coming in and out of Celtic games the first time it ever happened to me was with you and we were at like a pure fucking oh Celtic party Fussle right and Boxing Day oh, or was it, it was New Jan- Year's it Day it was New Year's Day we New made Year's the mistake Day, of going on New Year's Day one shy. year it was horrific and Paul the Tim walked by and you were pure no way there's that guy Paul the Tim and I was I was like what, I'm oblivious at the time like, and I think I followed him based on you going, like, oh he's a guy on Twitter it's like a, a known Celtic fan on Twitter or whatever. but Celtic Twitter's I, I think the the Rangers being back at a vaguely credible level has brought out the worst in it's people driving people fucking crazy on. It really but we're is. so close to the 9 and the 10 like it's we know that you know the last 18 months potentially towards the 10 we're going to be chronic you know what I mean like, and everything is about getting out of the line now so any threat to that is going to be magnified you know a million times over you know what would I mean you, like, what would you hope to see I mean we'll put this out what Friday so how many days we got left to transfer one day? Nine? Something like that. Nine, ten days. Right, so we'll be coming into when's when's fucking when's deadline day? It's like the thirty first or some shit. Like. Well, it's definitely the thirty first, but I'm thinking <laughs> I meant like in the week. Alright, I don't know. Like <laughs> it's next Friday. Next Friday. So like as it stands right now, let's just say Soros signed. Okay. Because I, I think that's like a done deal with, with Permits. What do what do you think we need? So we've got a striker in, we've got a central midfielder in, could probably do another centre-half. And to actually get somebody that we signed for this do-do-da-da character to actually stay fit for more than 10 mm-hmm. minutes, especially with Soros being another one of his. Um, but I, I, just, I think we need to keep the heat rather than worry too much about players coming in. You know what I mean? Like, barring two fairly uncomfortable games against Rangers. You know what I mean? We've not really looked terrible we've uh, been we've no moving it about tested, nice we've had good old returns for edward for christie for forest you know what i mean like elanousi mm. was clicking when he was fat it's just about getting the players fit and getting everybody's head screwed on the right on, way like at fucking lennox town i mean it must be 
It's the same every year. I don't know, man. Like, do you think it's the artificial surfaces? I've got no idea. I, uh, you know, Rogers, January 18 injured, next January 15 injured, this January, how many injured? I don't know. There's definitely something that maybe needs to be addressed because we have got a big squad, so numerically you're going to have more injuries, but aye, like 10, 15 deep at a time is like crazy. And first team players, aye. And like, and like, and in a squad at 18, you're talking about. Sometimes it's like seven, eight, nine. Aye. You know what I mean? You're like, don't you know even like a starting eleven? But mm-hmm. I mean, we'll try and get off. Let's try and get off. I was going to say we were guest spotting on some of the the, the Celtic podcasts. I'm a bit sorry. Um, one of the things this week that has I, I kind of asked the question on the Twitter feed, and it was around the the sort of section thirty, um, the request by the Scottish government to have NDRF two. Which we all want. Well, mm-hmm. you know, everybody. Uh, well, both of us do. We want independence. Aye. Like, aye absolutely. We want the end result. If we can skip the referendum, up, <laughs> it would be aye. We might need to at this rate. <laughs> um, obviously, the government made the request. Johnson unceremoniously punted it. And the question I asked was like, are people actually surprised by this? And like, for me, the answer is. Absolutely not, because mm. there was no way this Conservative government was ever going to actually acquiesce to another independence referendum because they know this time there's a chance they'd lose it, um, which wasn't necessarily the same concern the last time when it was a bit of a no-brainer for Cameron, you know what I mean? Um, now, people, the response I go back for people was that they actually were surprised that they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, kind of allow it, and I'm a bit like, where have, where have you been? And then with some of the responses that I got for it, I was a bit like, do you know what, actually, I kind of see folks' opinion on this because they were repeatedly told, like, vote SNP and keep out Johnson, vote SNP, stop Brexit, vote SNP, get other independence referendum. And they voted SNP mm. and they have every right to think that, you know, the party with the amount of seats that they have in Scotland would be in some way able to enact some of its manifesto promises. Like, that's not an unreasonable thought process. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, but the reality is, is that it was never going to happen. And I'm, I'm about, I kind of question any of the tactic, kind of like I was when it was like two votes SNP uh-huh. and it let Tories in. You know what I mean? Like, and we're coming back around to 21, the election 21. Hopefully they won't make that mistake again and maybe actually platform with some of the guys in the Greens and whatnot. But like, <clears throat> the messaging. I think misled people. Mm. I think that the guys who ran the SNP campaign were smart enough to know that it was extremely unlikely that Section 30 would be granted under any meaningful circumstances. The Tories said in the election build-up, never. Uh And the Labour guys said no for at least two years. So it wasn't happening in 2020 with UK government consent, which it requires. You know what I mean? and that's just the unfortunate reality of the situation isn't it? i mean but i don't know how, how do we fight that like, i don't know how productive kind of purposefully lying to people about it is like i know you need to keep your base mobilized i know you need to keep people interested and stuff like that and you know they need to feel like the independence movement is growing and moving forward but like i what they've essentially done is for foul or what they've been accused of in the past and actually again manufactured a grievance you know what i mean like and I don't know. If it kind of feels a wee bit off to me, as much as I'm no unhappy with the SNP, I've actually been following Anne McLaughlin. Um, and one of the criticisms I had there in the build up to the election was that if she was out there doing stuff, she was no very good at 
you know, sort of shown her work essentially in the same way that like, Paul Sweeney was. And since she's went back to Westminster this time, she's been really engaging. Like she's been really informative. She's been out there recruiting. And like she's been a much more visible, much more effective her. presence, and I think in that respect, absolutely fair play uh-huh. her. Um, to go back to what you were saying, like, but the rest of it, it felt poli- a bit disingenuous, <coughs> and, I, and I, I'm reluctant like to get behind that. Politics is seems like just people just. I think that, and I think we touched a wee bit with us with Mary Black that and it's Mary Mary and Mel become the realisation that politicians are just people. Yeah. And that they're just as misguided and just and ill advised as the next fucking person. Yeah. They'll know like people think that like people like Boris Johnson, people like Jacob Rees Mogg or any any really the, the Conservative MPs mm-hmm. That they know that one plus one will equal two. Aye. Do you know what I mean? That the, the decisions that they make, well, they know that what the impact's going to be. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. I, I'm not too sure if they're that Aye, do you know deliberate. What? Do you know Aye. what I mean? I mean, they do impact studies and research and all these types of things, but at the same time, you know, sometimes you might be as effective with a crystal ball in terms of how policies uh-huh. are going to pan out. You know what but I mean? I think what you're saying that. But I think this was a decision was... that was made up front. This uh-huh. was no a reactive thing for me. Uh-huh. Like this was a a choice to go. We need to mobilise people. We know that the end result probably isn't going to be what we tell people it's going to be. And I think mm. again, it's like we were saying with the, some of the the you know debate we've had with with interactions online in the last week. Like it's a bad faith argument that you've made, and like. I don't know if that's the best way to like garner and maintain long term support is by patronising yeah. people up front. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you should have said, let's work together to put as much pressure as we can on the UK government to guarantee and you'd have been like literally one line in your literature changes the entire purpose of the campaign. Like uh-huh. you're saying to folk, We know that this probably won't get us another independence referendum, but it's up to us to work together electorally to keep the pressure upon Westminster to grant word request in the long term. Absolutely. How is that patronising? That's no, that's actually saying to your guys, we need you to stay ways, we need you to stand uh-huh. ways, we need your support to be solid because it's not going to happen right now, but for it to happen, you need to stay ways. What would have reacted to that, I think, in a perfectly reasonable Absolutely. manner? Absolutely, I think they were just worried about losing seats to Corbyn. I think that they probably knew that a lot of what Corbyn Maybe I says no everything, but a lot of what Corbyn says and a lot of what's in his manifesto that get defeated would have resonated with a lot of their voter base. Yeah, I voted for it, so I think that that's got to have been the motivation. And it kind of like goes against, it kind of like goes against the sort of picture that's painted because, and I've said this many times on the podcast, like I want an independent Scotland. Mm-hmm. After Scotland was in. As independent, would I be voting for the SNP? I don't know. It would be policy. Yeah. It would be policy by policy. Like Definitely. I was talking to like um, Kavan on Twitter and was a guest in an earlier episode and I was basically saying to him, man, I've got a complete and utter like zero interest in any of the major political parties right now. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see any of them doing enough. I think there's so much that they could be doing and We've been so caught up in Brexit and so caught up in 
independence referendums and stuff that we've actually took our eye off what what it actually needs to be, which is something that represents ordinary people and makes sure that the people that are at the bottom just don't get harmed. And it's been completely... Seems like since 2000, maybe the Iraq war, that we've just had perpetual just distraction because, like, people are literally, we're, we're talking about earlier, people are fucking dying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lack of food, like, the benefit systems are fucking absolute shit show. Lack like, of mental health services, lack of community aye, services. The National Health Service is in a fucking, abs- I mean, it's worse in England, apparently, as here, yep. so, so we're told. But we've... But it's no perfect here either. Uh-huh. But we're, we're the best will in the world, obviously. We can't focus on these issues when we're being constantly fucking pulled one way with Brexit, pulled another way with independence. Yep. If Scotland didn't vote for to leave the EU, so we should be kept in the, the EU. And we're just, I don't know, man. Like, I think we need to... The constitutional questions are important, mm-hmm. but I think there definitely has been, as you say, like the constitutional questions that the UK faces have overshadowed a lot Absolutely. of the day-to-day stuff all across the country. I mean, you we're sitting I mean? here right now, what, nine days away from <laughs> deadline day. I was going to say, it's K-day. the same day as transfer deadline K-day. day. Like, transfer deadline day. Do you think that was deliberate to make sure that they could day. get foreign players in at the last minute? English clubs could still sign foreign players right up to the 31st of January. <laughs> I think that's why it's deadline day. Then they're going to need work permits, potentially. Bet you any money, it'll be like, oh no, but we're keeping UEFA, so... The football's still European, and we still got all the same. No, no, what are you talking about? Like the, the football players must be allowed to enter the country and play football. Yes. Um, I would I would like to think that we could be like, no, fuck you. He's fucking <laughs> voted for it. He's stuck with fucking English players now. <laughs> the English Premier League would go down the fucking shitter real fucking fast if that happened. By or the they would win a World Cup, which we just don't want. Aye, aye. So let, let the open borders Keep the open borders for football so Aye. that England don't win the fucking World Cup. I think as well, like the other one this week, and and well, in the last week or so, in, in sort of Scottish terms, was a bit of what I, what I would describe as sort of graffiti wars. Um, I think there was a an SMP, either M, I can't, I'm not sure, a MSP or MP had their office vandalised and it was closely followed by a conservative I think MSP having their office vandalised as well and um, ah, it's a bit of a weird one it's a, I don't it was quite weird to see somebody like trolling somebody in real life so what you know what the, I mean what, like, what was the uh, I'm not sure about the SMP one I know obviously the Tory one was Tory scum essentially um, which the the MP in question Clearly, and and probably rightfully took a level of offence to. Um, I don't know, man. I'm a bit, I'm a bit torn on it because I don't want the, the the sort of political debate in Scotland to really revolve around like schoolyard graffiti. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I, there's as a part of me that is like, <sighs> do we really want to also run away for constructive criticism? You know what I mean? Like because if you're a Tory, you know, in my opinion. You know, you're make, you're either making or banking some really horrendous decisions for the country mm-hmm. that are really impacting people's lives, and you know, costing some people their lives. Absolutely. And you know, people getting uppity about terms like Tory scum. My brain kind of translates that into like, you know, what had it been like if Sunday was pure? You know, why were you no nicer to that Nazi? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of <laughs> like. 
I don't know, man. I, I, maybe I'm being harsh or whatever it is. Like, I don't, I'm not condoning the graffiti and vandalism in any way, shape or form. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, but what I'm saying is I can understand people's anger to a certain extent. What have the Tories ever done for us? Ah, exactly. I get it. Like, it, it's almost like, do you know what I don't like about it? It almost, I'm like, I mean, we were talking about it earlier on. I was saying that graffiti has been about, it's like, Graffiti was has always been a really big form of protest. Aye, and even going all the way back to like, um, sure, like the Egyptian times, it was the first time like they'd okay. seen graffiti happening in protest against kings, and then obviously it was big in Nazi Germany as well. Like there was a lot of graffiti happened. Yep. So I'm I'm kind of like if you like oh somebody spray painted Tory scum like. So what? Yeah, that's, mm. that's 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 how we fucking feel about you. I wasn't any more offended by whatever else was. I, I was so unoffended by it that I forgot Aye. what was actually sprayed on the other one. You know Aye. what I mean? Like, well, of all like SNP out or whatever, Aye, whatever, Nats out. Aye, Nats out. Um, but Israel, uh, no Egypt. Sorry, graffiti. Aye, it's. I I think I can't even remember what I was going to fucking say. It's a legitimate form of protest. I, I think it's just, I it it reinforces their argument about like, well, look, do you know like that sort of like, the the supporters can be like disgusted about it. It gives them ammunition. Ah, it's, do you know what I mean? It's almost like I feel like it's provides even, a level of cover for some fairly shady behaviour. Ah, uh-huh. gives them a note, uh-huh. and it's kind of dropping the ball in that sense, definitely, mm-hmm. because the last thing you want to go is these guys are being terrible and they go exactly. I but you called me a name and like I knew the two are equated knew the two in the sort of conversation or over an equal standing and like they absolutely shouldn't Aye, be that's it that's they absolutely it. shouldn't it's be it's almost like that but I mean it's got your bullshit really into it you know what I mean a, like, there's been quite a lot of um, I don't know if you've noticed that like Round Glasgow City Centre started like boarding up empty shops, especially in like the sort of tap oh, right, okay. Hill Street here, right? And there's been like some graffiti artist and like ridiculously talented, so like, amazing, has clearly been hired to go and spray paint this oh, right, like, cool. sort of face. I can't even remember its name, but anyway, they're everywhere, run about the West End, and and it's all. I think it's like Glasgow City Council that have paid right. for it, and. We were walking back and somebody had sort of spray painted over the top of that. Corporate graffiti sucks. <laughs> and I was kind of having that conversation with Sean where she was kind of like, Ugh, that's a bit shite, do you know what I mean? Like, Aye. It's no graffiti artist. It's, like, it's no... It, but I was like, look at the one next to it. it doesn't, it's no as fancy, but it just said, um, so many empty shops, so many homeless people. Yeah. And I was like, that is graffiti. That... Isn't he? Aye. And she was like, ah, oh, don't get that, don't get that. Just kind of like try to defend it. She was like, it looks better. It's like, I, I get that it looks better. Aye. But it's kind of like that. There'll be people out there that are so passionate about it. It's an art form. No, oh, definitely. Almost. Do you know what I mean? And there's been like countless examples of it being amazing, like all of the Banksy stuff and people that I probably don't even know. Oh, I know there's an entire industry in You know what I mean? Like, like Glasgow City Centre. But I kind of got why they were like, 
you're boarding up empty buildings, there's people living on the street, and then yep. you're paying somebody to come and cover it in graffiti so that it kind of looks urban. Ah, it looks whatever. edgy and uh-huh. shit. Exactly. Well, there's and somebody sleeping in the doorway. Somebody, and when you think about the origins of the art form where it was a, a form of protest and that's where it, its origins were, you can kind of get why people are like, pure, get that in the fucking bin. Well, it's clearly still relevant in more than you know, MPs' offices then, isn't it? You mm. know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's still some poll tax. I remember being a wee boy and like, <laughs> or be even at uni, I mean, Glasgow City Centre hasn't always been as shiny. I mean, no. even at like, the pre-Virgin Megastore days at the top of Buchanan Street, Buchanan Street was sketchy as fuck. Oh, that building used to be an absolute crack then. Uh-huh. So, well, line crack was a thing at the time, but whatever the equivalent like was, a smack then. Whatever, and then it shifted down to St Enoch's as the upgrade, but they've upgraded Glasgow City Centre. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, I can remember going down to the bridge down to Brigitte and the St Andrew's Market next to the Barras where yep. there used to be a, a kind of like sort of flea market almost. Yep, Paddy's Market. Paddy's Market. And there would be like poll tax, no poll tax, graffiti Aye. and stuff like that. So I think that there's probably a rich history and especially in Glasgow. Aye. I'm quite intrigued by some of the murals, you know, like the Rogue One stuff and all the rest of it. I think there's, I don't know if that necessarily qualifies as graffiti or corporate graffiti as the, you know, the, the, the spray painter was you know, digging out or whatever, but like, I think, you know, things like the St Mungo and all the rest on High Street, they're all, you know, things that help tell the story of the, uh, the, the city and, you know, I'm not necessarily against like the murals and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Absolutely, like, I think the one that commemorates <clears throat> the Commonwealth Games doing it, um, Tradeston, right. I, th- I don't think it's a dig at that, mm-hmm. I, don't, I think they, they probably would be like, that's a mural, it's no graffiti, right. I think it's like the deliberate sort of style, Aye. using the style as a way of sprucing up but somewhere. Then like the appropriation of counterculture into it. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Like corporate and counterculture is like, an oxymoron. I'm an argumentative bastard, so I, I was kind of like, no, I, I get it. <laughs> I was like, all right, fuck's sake. Like, oh. I've got a podcast with Rebel in the name, I'm with these guys. Aye, exactly. But <laughs> I, it's it's kind of strange. Like, I, I think the, the, the message I like, took so many empty shops, so many homeless people, it was something that I... You're like it's so true, man. No, no, definitely. That's like, that's we, an objective and like fair criticism. Like mm-hmm. we should be doing absolutely Hunters Mayor. I think when you look at the Christmas and New Year period, you know, the amazing work done by all the people that popped up shelters and all these types of things. And again, it's another one of the examples where should it be left to ordinary people? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like everything else that we've talked about over the last year, eighteen months is that ordinary people are stepping into the void that's been left by the government, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it shouldn't have to be like that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't have to watch people sleep in doorways. Like, I, I had one the other week girl where I worked in at Central Station and I was having my morning cigarette outside the office on the way in and directly across from my office there's a really swanky jeweller, um, you know, makes everything from scratch, it's all bespoke this that and the other blah 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 and in the doorway was a guy sleeping in a sleeping bag and you're just like this is just rang you know what I mean like and I when my city centre is overrun what feels like when you work there every day like I if there's space that we can make for people that will make their lives easier then why are we not just doing it like if other stuff wants to move in down the line or you know whatever then fine but you know if that stuff's sitting there empty especially at this time of year like Let's be a wee bit smarter about making use of it, definitely. Absolutely, man. It's actually getting a wee bit... I mean, I try not, I try not think about it too much, man, but I definitely walk past at least 10, 
on my way to work every day. Oh, I. Do you know what I mean? It's getting, it's getting worse. And I hate, like, I deal with the public and I don't like talking to them about it because the general thing is like sort of like, mm, it's kind of unsightly or whatever. Or like, there's guy that begs outside where I work and people complain about him, come in like that. And I'm just like, I refuse to move the guy because yeah. I'm just like, wait, but I mean, on years gone by, I probably would have considered it, but I've heard you talk about it a money. fair bit, and and sort of, you know, homelessness is no something that we've had the opportunity to really get into, and and no for the lack of trying. It's more about the fact that the organisations out there that are actually doing work with the homeless are so thinly stretched that Absolutely. the notion that they have the time to gain an hour or two over to us. Is, is sort of frankly laughable and as we've started to reach out to them that became sort of painfully obvious and it became something that we just kind of stepped off because you know we don't want to make our thing a distraction for any of our guest work you know what mm-hmm. I mean like, but now working in town I it's something that is it is like in your face it's so obvious and right. like people's attitudes to are no, always exactly where there's, we need them to be you know what I mean at least like, four or five times and see, to be honest it's, I think it's been a journey that I've been on like there's I've come for the East End background where mm-hmm. we talked about in other episodes or the junkie and this and that and like it's been a process to get to the point where I'm like I see a human being in a sense but at the same time because I work in town and it's so rife like part of me has to kind of shut it out as well because uh-huh. I feel like if I give money to one I've got to give money to them all and then mm-hmm. it's every day of the week and it's every street and how do you pick and choose who to help and like well, even the emotional strain after- I have to kind of like shut out a wee bit because that stunning across the road for that guy sleeping in the doorway of jewelers was just like absolutely fucking uh-huh. horrific. But at the same time, I, you know what my god, I, I, I can't carry every single one of them about, and nobody can can carry it about a day. And it's, I, I live in town, I work in town. If I was to give every homeless person or everybody that was begging some money, I would be fucking homeless. Uh, I'd be, be I'd be skinned. There's just a reality. Sometimes there's an absolute reality. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that well, aye. So I've actually like made a, a decision about i just acknowledge them dude aye well that's like, something that I, I try if they say if you get any spare change just say i'm sorry i've need change pal yeah to all them and you normally get a response mm-hmm. and it's just simply because like i said i spend all my time in the city center yeah i can't and and i walk by 10 on my way to work so mm-hmm. there's no like i, I do really want to get but of course i, I think to just make my peace with that um but like it's like shutting it out like you're talking about shutting it out I absolutely need to not think about it like, because mm-hmm. it actually breaks your heart when you sit and think about the but it shames us as well uh-huh. you know what I mean like, we should be doing more everyone is you know what I mean even though it shouldn't fall on us you know what I mean like, but hopefully there'll be a time down the line where we can really get into this with somebody and actually maybe showcase some of the great work that's happening and on a kind of lighter note I, I would kind of like go back on one of the tweets I, I made our sort of Christmas and New Year because again outside the office having a smoke there was a, a wee fella on his cardboard you know wee mm-hmm. sleeping bag and everything ready for the night and a family passed by on their like Christmas dinner you know mum dad wee boy wee lassie on their nice clays walking to whatever TGI Fridays or wherever they were gone you know what I mean like, and uh, the wee fella passed by the homeless guy and like stopped and out his pocket fired him a sausage roll and like that was quite cool nice to see the wee boy being generous mm-hmm. and all the rest of it but like you see the parents were quite a bit like oh aye and quite surprised by it but see his wee sister's face like just pure 
having that moment where you know this is what a big brother is supposed to do and let's uh-huh. set an example etc that was really nice so I mean there are like loads of folk out there who are still can he turn the blind eye or well you know, did the wee guy get the sausage roll for you? I'm assuming they must have been cutting about <laughs> Tunde and Christmas stuff or whatever you know what I mean it was just oh, in right. his pocket it was okay. just in his pocket you know just what I mean as he, as, he, as he went by he went and just handed him the sausage roll sort of thing but it was a wee lass's face and I was like well do you know what at Christmas that was that was my wee Christmas moment so it was uh-huh. you know what I mean so you know, for those folk where they're that can they turn away, then fair play to them. You know, keep going. Man. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You want to just wrap it up there? I think so. Aye. I'm absolutely choking for a slash. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's actually getting painful. So, how I hate fucking ending these things, man. I'll be honest. <laughs> Especially where I need to go for a slash. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll just end it there. We just, I need a slash. So. Right. Okay. He needs a slash. <laughs>